the best hood is fatherhood. And if you don't know, you better tell somebody. It's about time because we're going there. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of We're Going There. Today we're talking about dads. And the reason why I'm cautious about the word fathers is because my dad always quoted this line to us growing up. He said, anybody could have a baby, but it takes someone special to step up and be a father. Fathers play a role in every child's life that cannot be filled by others. This role can have a large impact on a child and help shape them into the person that they become, i.e. you and me. I want to give a quick shout out to our Simply Earth Essential Oil partners. They make this podcast happen and they have taught me how to make my house just one step closer to being toxin free because of the recipes that they provide in their Simply Earth Essential Oil recipe box. If you're anything like me, you probably have several unused mounting essential oils that you tried to be hippy dippy and make great toxin free cleansing agents, but it kind of piled up because you don't know what to do. No worries. The Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box helps you gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils to help make your home toxin-free. Here's how it works. One, receive a recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. Two, learn how to use your essential oils while making your recipes created by certified aromatherapists. And three, save money and detoxify your life. Using essential oils to support your wellness doesn't have to be overwhelming. Have fun making your home toxin-free with Simply Earth Essential Oils Recipe Box. Plus, you get a free 80 milliliter diffuser when you subscribe using our URL, simplyearth.com backslash we're going there. Perfect. Let's do it. Can we just pray together before we jump in? I have never had a guest ask this, and this will be on the podcast. I'm just letting you know we're recording this because I yes. love that. Yes. Will you do the honors? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for Bianca and her ministry and her love for you. And uh, we just pray that Jesus would be Lord over this podcast and that your Holy Spirit would fill us and lead us, that you would guide our discussions and that, uh, that we would fellowship together and honor you and that we would be a blessing to anyone who hears this. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, Stephen, thank you so much. One, for starting us off right. I mean, that's the, that's the perfect way to start off a podcast. Absolutely. Uh, secondly, just thank you for your time. This is so fun. I get to talk to a lot of writers and creatives and even chefs, but I've never had an actual movie director on the podcast. So you are the first movie director, documentary extraordinaire on the show today. So thank <laughs> you for hopping on today. Well, and I, I'm a co-writer and I'm usually the producer. My brother's actually the director. Okay. So with this documentary, I'm on the writing producing side. So just for clarity's sake. I love it. I love it. Well, there's a special project that I just recently saw, and I'm so excited that we get to have you on the show so that we can kind of discuss it and go down to like a heart passion that this project came out of. But before we go there, you are passionate about fatherhood. And I know right now, especially for my generation and definitely Gen Z is how do we define fatherhood? And when you use this word father or fatherhood, how do you define it? And why are you so passionate about it? Well, uh, if you look at fatherhood in scripture, it has a epic position. You know, God, the father uh, is the first person of the Trinity. And uh, before there was a marriage in a garden between Adam and Eve, there was a uh, God and 
father and son who loved one another in all eternity in the Trinity. And uh, it says in Ephesians 3 that God created fatherhood on earth out of the fatherhood of God. And so if you look at the first command in scripture to Adam and Eve, it's to be fruitful and multiply. He's telling Adam, I want you to be a dad. (laughs) But you also see God's blessings on his children. And he blesses Abraham. Abraham blesses Isaac. Isaac blesses Jacob. And he tells the fathers to bless their sons and daughters. And the last verse in the Old Testament is his desire to turn the hearts of fathers back to their children and children to their fathers. When Jesus shows up, he says, I have come not to do my own will, but to do the will of the father. I came to speak the words of the father. Uh, As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. I came to be the way, the truth, and the life, a way to the father. And then in John chapter 14, when the disciples said, show us the father, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so this eternal relationship uh, is began before God created the world, where it says in Ephesians, he knew us before the foundation of the world, and he wants a relationship with each of us through Jesus. And there is a longing inside of our hearts to hear that loving blessing from a father and God put it there, but fathers on earth oftentimes don't give it to their kids. They don't even know what their roles and responsibilities are, but we, we began to study not only fatherhood in scripture, but in culture that you will see the number one common denominator of people in prison is not race. It's not education. It's fatherlessness. And if you look at the common denominator in trafficking, if you look at uh, sexual abuse, if you look at uh, kids getting pregnant, teenagers getting pregnant out of wedlock, you see uh, dropouts in school, gang violence, all connected specifically to fatherlessness. And the analogy I use is if you take the dad out of the home, it's like the bus driver jumping off the bus. And then all the people on the bus are left oftentimes end up in a ditch. You know, thank God for moms that grab the steering wheel and do their best to try to help survive and to lead kids back to God. But God's intention from the very beginning was that fathers represent him. And the seven roles that dads are supposed to be playing in the lives of their kids parallel the seven roles that God the father plays in our lives. And dads are supposed to be not only a provider, and a protector. But uh, Proverbs says a truthful teacher, you know, uh, a compassionate friend, a hopeful encourager, which ties into the blessing. You see these different roles that dads play, but they don't even know about it. And it's such a key issue. So I'm passionate about it because our dad rocked our world, changed our lives through his relationship with Christ. It was through him forgiving his own dad and God becoming his father that our dad became a great dad. And so we want uh, to help dads to win and to help families to win. And that led us into really through prayer, the Holy Spirit leading us to make Show Me the Father. So I'm not too sure that you're aware of this, but uh, I worked for a global anti-human trafficking organization for seven years. So this concept of fatherlessness, is it's not just a statistic. I can co-sign on that. I left there and transitioned into going to meet the needs of the incarcerated. And your statistics, you are not lying. I mean, it is so rooted in this epidemic of fatherlessness and the effects of it in society is huge. So the seven, I, I just wrote this down as you were talking, the seven roles of fatherhood. Now, this is fascinating 
fascinating to me. Where did you get this? And can, can you unpack that a little bit more? Because I know somebody is out there is thinking, okay, can we back this up? There, there's yeah. some Enneagram five out there. That's like, <laughs> I don't know if I could trust this guy. So yeah. talk to me about that. Cause that's fascinating. Okay. If you look at Romans 12, when it talks about the uh, motivational spiritual gifts that God puts yes. in our lives, those are the body of Christ. If you think about we are the body of Christ, so a person who's a prophet, a server, a teacher, a giver, uh, a mercy, those seven different roles that God wires in us are the way that Jesus lived his life. You'll see him being a prophet, speaking truth, protecting, confronting sin. You'll see him being a, a teacher. Every jot and tittle of the law will be fulfilled. You see him being an organized leader, administrative with breaking up the groups into 50 and delegating to his disciples and saying, all authority has been given to me. Now go make disciples of all nations. You will see him being a compassionate friend where he said, first, I called you servants. Now I call you friend. Uh, you will see him being a servant. You know, those roles that Jesus played, he wired in the body of Christ. And anybody who knows Christ, the Holy Spirit activates your spiritual gift. There are actually three different lists of spiritual gifts in scripture. There's the Romans 12 way that we're wired. And it says specifically, God gives us those gifts. There's Ephesians 4 that it says Jesus gives these gifts, their roles in the church, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And then there's the 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 gifts that the Holy Spirit specifically gives us. And they're manifestations of God's power that are miraculous in the lives of believers. So you see the Trinity laid out in those gifts. Those Romans 12 gifts are the attributes that we make of the body of Christ. Well, Jesus came as the perfect representation of the Father. And he said, I came, I, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I came to be uh, in every way a representation of the Father. So if you look at the roles dads play, they line up with those seven gifts. And so let me just fly through those real quick with you. So there's a faithful provider, which lines up with the gift of giving. And you see Jesus, you know, God is Jehovah Jireh. And you see Jesus saying, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then your heavenly father will provide for his children, you know, if, yeah. if you're asking him. And so we pray, God, our father, give me this day, my daily bread. You know, God as father provides for us and an earthly father. We already know that he's supposed to be providing for his family and for his children, not just physically, but emotionally as well. Secondly, a strong protector. A lot of men would know intuitively, I am supposed to be a protector to my family. And you look at scripture, who did God wake up in the middle of the night to protect Jesus when Herod was sending the soldiers and he woke up Joseph. He said, get your family out. You go protect your family in the situation. And he's wired in us. A man is supposed to be the, the head of the Department of Defense in his family. And he should be. God's wired him with that testosterone, that masculine desire. He likes war movies. He wants to confront evil. And you see Jesus confronting evil, but you also see dads wired by God to want to protect that which is important to them. And so trafficking is connected to fatherlessness. And if you look at other countries around the world, these kids that are trafficked are oftentimes growing up in fatherless homes. The dads are not there protecting their daughters and their sons. So those are just two of the roles. Then there's a loving leader. This lines up with the gift of organization that a dad is supposed to be leading by love, leading by example. He's the captain of the offense in his family. 
you know, and I tell men, you don't need permission to leave. You've been commanded by the one with all authority in heaven and earth to do so. And so God, God holds dads accountable for the leadership role in their homes. And he said, if a man can't lead his own family, he doesn't need to be leading the church. You know, you see that in, in Timothy. So there's that third role of leadership. And men need to know God has put you in the driver's seat. He's put the keys in your hand. He's told you, you're the leader of your home. You need to lead and love your wife like Christ does. And you need to be leading your family by your example. So that affects me in my daily decision-making with my kids. I will sit down with them and I'll say, here's what's coming up. You know, here's what's coming up in our schedule. And then I'm supposed to be shepherding my family as a leader as Jesus modeled it. But again, it's coming from the father that he's the perfect example. Then there's the truthful teacher. Uh, In Ephesians 6, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He doesn't call on the youth pastor, the children's pastor. He specifically (laughs) goes to the dad and says, you're head of the Department of Education in your family, whether you realize it or not. And if you look at Proverbs, it repeatedly says, sons, listen to the instruction of your father. My son, give me your heart. Listen to my teaching. Constantly, he's saying, dad, you need to be teaching. Men don't know that. And oftentimes they say, okay, I'm going to provide, I'm going to protect. My wife's going to handle all the education. You know, my wife's going to handle all these other things. And they don't realize that they're giving up a role that God has given them and that their wives are supposed to be tag teaming with them every step of the way. Yes. And that they're working together as a team. They're two wings on an airplane. They're balancing each other out. Both are vitally important. They're different but they balance each other out in those roles. And so you see that in that role of truthful teacher. Have you heard about the Dwell Bible app? Their mission is inspired by the psalmist who admonishes us in Psalm 119 to hide God's word in our hearts. Dwell has built the most beautiful listening and reading experience for the scriptures. They have over a dozen new recordings from the Bible. They've handpicked voices that will engage and inspire you. And they have the best versions of the Bible too, like ESV, NIV, KJV, NLT, and all the other letters. One of the coolest things about Dwell is they have a read-along experience. If you've ever seen Apple's music lyrics feature, then that's exactly what you can expect in the read-along at Dwell. Gorgeous backgrounds, big, bold text that scrolls as a narrator reads to you. I'm telling you, you need to try Dwell. You're going to love it. You can go to dwellapp.io backslash we're going there to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. Then there's a willing helper. It says, I I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. God calls himself a helper of the fatherless in scripture. Jesus said the father would send the helper, the Holy Spirit into our lives as believers. So this lines up with the gift of service. Service, If you look at a person with the spiritual gift of service, practical needs, a servant, a person who's wired with that Romans seven gift of service, they're constantly seeing practical needs around them. And they're like, Hey man, you know, let me help you with that. Let me carry that. Let me cook you this meal. Oh, this person's sick. Let me go help them. People who have that gift. My mother has that gift. I have a daughter who has that gift. It's amazing. Jesus demonstrated that by washing the feet of his disciples. Every time he stepped into a city, he's looking at the needs of the people. If they're hungry, he's feeding. If they're sick, he's healing. If they're ignorant, he's teaching. He's serving the needs. Oftentimes dads come home. They're not washing the dishes. They're not helping with the kids. They're not changing the diaper. They're sitting on the couch and they don't realize that one of their roles as a representation of their heavenly father is to be a willing helper, helping their kids 
not just expecting their wives to carry the, the weight in that situation, but it's a, it's a way to tie your heart to your children because your kids are walking needs all day, every day, yes. <laughs> and they are desperately needing help. And dads are supposed to be right there uh, with their kids. You know, if you want to start feeding the hungry and clothing the naked, start in your own home with your kids, <laughs> you know, visit the lonely child in the room down the hallway, hello, you know, hello. provide medical care for that kid who just <laughs> fell down and broke his knee or he's got a stomach ache, you know, find the lost sock instead of the lost sheep, you know, <laughs> so, kill the roach in the shower. You know, these are things that dads can do. And it, the mom oftentimes is like, thank you <laughs> for, for getting up and taking an initiative, but you're representing your heavenly father when you do that. Then there's the hopeful encourager. This lines up with the gift of exhortation, which I think you have that gift of encouragement where you're excited about the future and you want to speak faith into someone's life. And this lines up with the blessing that fathers are supposed to provide for their kids. Kids get depressed. Kids that are suicidal oftentimes come from fatherless homes. And kids, when they get depressed, they feel hopeless. They feel helpless. Dads are supposed to be blessing their children. They're supposed to be speaking success over their lives. I love you. I believe in you. I'm cheering you on. I'm praying for you. You know, Psalm 78 says that the generation that is to come might know, the children to be born, that they should put their confidence in God. They should not be like their earthly fathers that are stubborn and rebellious, whose heart was not steadfast towards the Lord. Fathers should be speaking success towards the future. And that's one of the things you see in Show Me the Father, that documentary, you see Mm -hmm. our father blessing us. Many people have never seen a father bless their children. And every dad should be speaking success over their lives. It's the opposite of a curse. You know, a curse Mm -hmm. stabs them in the back, pulls the rug out from up underneath them, steals the money out of their pocket. A blessing is the opposite. A blessing is putting the money in their pocket, praying blessings over their lives, giving them the keys to the car, the roadmap for the future. And the God's word, the prayer, the support, you're you're setting them up for long-term success in the future. And then the last one is a compassionate friend. It says in Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him, that he is mindful that we are but dust. And so think about 2 Corinthians 1, blessed be the God and father. We're talking about him of the Trinity. It says he's the God of all comfort, the father of mercies who comforts us, his children in every one of our afflictions. So these seven roles that God plays in our lives, if we look at that and say, every dad should be not only letting God be those to him, because I need God to comfort me as a dad. (laughs) I need God to teach me daily. I need God to provide for me and my family. I need God to protect me, deliver me from the evil one, you know, deliver me from temptation. If you look at that model prayer, so many of these roles are embedded in this prayer where Jesus is teaching us to not just call him God, but call him father. And the Holy spirit within us is a spirit of intercession. He's leading us as believers to cry out, Abba, father, daddy in our lives. And when I do that, then he fills me, leads me by his spirit. And I can turn around and he gives me a love for my kids. He gives me the wisdom to share with them in that moment, really for all Christians. It's not just dads, but you know, I know right now we're talking about this role of dads. 
But that's where that came from. We touch on it really quickly. But Bianca, this is the first time I've shared it on any podcast or interview with anybody. Okay, first of all, I need to catch my breath because I'm shook, brother. Listen, listen, my husband and I, we've done an entire series on the Holy Spirit. We unpacked the Trinity. We went through those exact passages, but I have never, I have chills right now. Liz, I got some Holy Spirit chill bumps. I have never heard this understanding of the passage pertaining to father passage pertaining to son and pastor pertaining to the Holy spirit. So one, I feel wrecked with revelation. Number two, how you unpack that so beautifully, brother, you a pastor. I'm over here. You're taking me to church today. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to throw you, I'm going to throw you a curveball. All of my undergraduate and graduate school education is secular. So I have been inculcated with kind of the deconstruction of gender and hierarchy patronistic and paternal led household looks like. So I'm playing devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Somebody listening right now talking about why is everything so specific when it comes to gender roles? Now you've done a lot of work within fatherhood, but I would love your take for someone out there. That's just like, well, I just feel like that's so male centric. Talk to me. Well, uh, if you look at, if you threw scripture out the window and you just said, okay, we're going to let the world be, Look at the stats on what happens, all the things we've talked about when dads step out of the house. If we said, let's just look at the numbers. Let's look at kids or, you know, all the the percentages. And we put those in, show me the father as to what happens when dads step out. It says in Proverbs 17, the glory of children are their fathers. Why has God wired a kid uh, to, to want the heart of his, his dad in his life. Why has God stepped in this role? Now, first, let me say, it's beautiful when you realize that the roles that God gives men and women are both reflective of Jesus and his attributes and character. You know, people talk about, you know, the Bible calls women a helper. You know, God calls himself a helper repeatedly in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is a helper. Hello. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm just like, this is an honor. Every believer in Jesus Christ is called to serve those who are around them and be a helper. And so when we die to ourselves and we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, how do you want me to live out my life? Jesus was a servant and he was obedient, submissive to the father. You will see there's a passage in in Corinthians that talks about as a husband is a head of the wife. So Christ is the head of the husband and God is the head of Christ. So you see this authority structure where everybody has somebody that they're submitting to and everybody has somebody that they're over in their life. So you see a mother is over her children. The children need to submit to the mother. These passages in Ephesians, that says a wife is to submit to her husband. A husband is to submit to Christ and a Christ in Christ submits to the father. Well, if you look at Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, what were the consequences of their sin? If you go back and look, the consequences were that the thing that was over them and the thing that's under them are now cursed and broken in that relationship. So Adam was over the land. He's been given dominion, and now the ground is cursed up underneath him. His wife is looking up what is over her husband. And it says she is now going to long for that. She's going to have a dysfunctional relationship with her husband. He's going to have a tendency now to, to dominate, try to rule over here, dictate her, you know, his fleshly side of him. And that's the thing that everybody's speaking out against. It's so wrong when men are mistreating women, devaluing them, but they're bullying them. There's the whole Me Too movement, all that. Well, Genesis 3 said that's going to happen. 
It also says that she's going to kind of want to take control away from him and want to, to step up. She's going to struggle in that relationship with him. And then look at her life. What is the consequence of her sin? What is up underneath her authority? Children. And now she's going to struggle with childbearing. There's going to be pain. You see that dysfunction in, in that chain of authority that's set up. He's God is not talking about value. We are all made in the image of God. We're all priceless. Jesus, you know, Galatians three, there, there is no, neither Jew nor Greek. There's no male nor female in Christ. All of us, anyone can come to Christ, but Jesus specifically, every time he was asked about sexuality, marriage or divorce, he would come back and say, from the beginning, God, the father created the male and female. He says, God is binary in gender. He's not confused. He knows what he's doing. These are things we should celebrate. These are things that we should mm. honor, that men ought to be honoring, loving, building up, serving, encouraging, protecting all the women in their lives. Women ought to be building up, serving, respecting, honoring. Just think about this. What if in every home, the husband did what Ephesians 5 says, and he was willing to lay down his life for his bride. He loved, served, respected, and honored his wife and his children. What if the children loved, served, respected, and honored their mom and their dad? And what if wives loved, served, respected their husbands and their children? What kind of home is that going to be? Right. It's, it's a picture of heaven. It's, it's a yeah. picture of the Trinity before the fall. It's a, if you go back and it, it warms my heart anytime I see a mom and dad loving on one another in front of their kids. And you know, it does something for the kids when they look up and they see mom and dad just honoring, you know, I flirt with my wife in front of my kids on purpose. <laughs> you know, all of my kids are excited about getting married one day because they know mom and dad are in love, you know, and all that we laugh together. And we've told our kids, we hurt one another. We forgive each other. We apologize when we blow it. You know, we don't have it all together, but Jesus is in the middle of our relationship. And it's a beautiful thing that God has done. Now think about this. We're God's kids. What does it do to our hearts when we look up and we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit loving on one another, serving one another, mm. honoring one another? And that's exactly what you see in the Gospels. You see Jesus saying, the Father has sent me out of love. I'm here to do the will of the Father, submit to the Father. And I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And what's he going to do? He's going to honor me. You just see this beautiful relationship within the Trinity the entire time. Trinity means triunity. They're in perfect oneness and unity. And God created the family as a picture of him. Yeah. And he wants us to go back to him where we, we all die to our pride and die to our selfishness and we die to our rights. And we say, I love you so much. I respect you so much. I want nothing but God's best for you in every area of your life. And I am here to serve. Every dad is a servant. He ought to be if he's like Jesus. And so when we go back to that, the, the roles and the gender are opportunities for us to celebrate one another's differences and yes. love each other as sinners like Christ loved us. So when the Bible says, husbands, love your wives like Christ of the church, he's saying, Jesus, Romans, <laughs> Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were unlovable, Christ died for us. So marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride. Parents and their children are a picture of God, the father and us. And so I relate to Jesus as my brother, my Lord, 
my savior and I'm part of the bride of Christ as my husband in a sense. Mm. And I relate to God, the father as a beloved son to my heavenly father. And that's my identity because of Jesus. Ephesians one says I am adopted as his beloved child. You know, first John three, behold, what manner of love, agape love, unconditional love. The father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. What a privilege, what an honor that our identity is wrapped up in being God's beloved children. And so with that in mind, you know, the culture, Satan always attacks what God designs. And every time God says, turn right, Satan says, turn left. Every time God says, this is good, Satan says, this is bad. And uh, so we can just know the culture is going to say the opposite from what God's word is going to say. Uh, and so we, we have to go back and be transformed by the renewing of our minds and not be conformed to this world. I want to take a moment and thank our friends from BetterHelp for sponsoring this program. If you know me, you know I love some good therapy. Going to therapy doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. Let's think about this in some analogies. We get oil changes for our car to prevent big issues. We go to the doctors or go to the gym to take care of our bodies. And we do chores around our house to avoid a messy house. I mean, let's hope so. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in anything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there, listeners. Get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash WGT. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash WGT for work going there. I love it. You mentioned a slight caveat that we have uh, been adopted. And I think at one point that I just didn't see coming in the documentary is, and I mentioned this in the introduction that you have not heard yet, but that is the point that I think the movie shifted, the documentary shifted for me. So you go on this journey. You are passionate about fatherhood. You have an amazing father that you honor so beautifully in this documentary, but then we get to see a different side of your fatherhood. Will you take us on the journey of little Mia? Sure. Well, we had four children, uh, biological children. And, um, and I was on an airplane reading John 10 and God spoke to me unexpectedly through the scriptures about being open to adoption. And I was not expecting this. I turned to my wife, Jill, and I said, I think God is telling us we need to be open to adoption. Well, she had been praying for me for two years that God would turn my heart towards adoption. But she said she didn't want to try to, she has my heart and she knows that she could start pushing me towards something. But she said, I didn't want to be like Sarah telling Abraham to go to Hagar and it be a thing of man rather than a thing of God. So she said, I was just praying for you and I was wanting the Lord to be the one that would turn your heart. And so anyway, God did it. We filled out the paperwork. Two years later, we start getting referrals. And uh, the first four referrals, I'm excited, ready to adopt. And the, the Holy Spirit kept saying no. And, I, and I, I didn't know what was wrong. I thought it was, I was just a poor leader. I was insecure. What's going on? Why am I having this heavy hesitation, this check in my spirit every time I try to move to adopt these, these little girls? We knew it was going to be a girl. We knew she was going to be from China. And so, so I kept turning them down. It says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And the, I had no peace. Well, on the fifth referral, this picture pops up. 
do you want to adopt this child? She had a worse medical condition than, than our other kids. Uh, she had a major heart problem and it said she was born on 214, 2011. And my wife said she was born on Valentine's day with a broken heart, you know? <laughs> and I was like, wow, but we had this total peace come over us. And so, uh, we both said, let's adopt this baby girl. So we adopt, we went through the process. We said, yes, we're going to adopt her. And a few weeks later, my wife calls me and she said, when did God speak to you on that airplane? And I didn't remember. And I went back and I opened up my Bible and there next to John 10, 16, it said 214, 2011, the same day that she was born in China was the same day that God spoke to me on that airplane. And the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. There was this awesome sense of the Lord saying, I am in the middle of this and I'm going to teach you something about me and my role as father in your life through this adoption. And that's exactly what happened. When we adopted her, we saw her identity completely change. She went from being an unwanted burden in a communist country with no medical support, the, without really the education, no hopeful future at all, to becoming a beloved blessing in a Christian home in America with all the support that she needs, with a family and a bright, hopeful future. And Ephesians 2, the light bulb goes on for me, that it says, we used to be dead in sin. We used to be disconnected from God. We used to be without hope in this world. But because our heavenly father, who is full of great mercy and grace, made us alive together with Christ, we are now his beloved children and we're forgiven of all our sins. And we now have the blessing of our father and we have a home in heaven and we have access to his heart and his lap through prayer. You know, it says in Ephesians three, we have bold access to the father through prayer. And so our spiritual adoption, because Ephesians one uses the word adoption, adoption to say yep. that everyone who places their faith in Jesus has been adopted spiritually and is sealed with the Holy Spirit, it says. And so, man, that whole identity in Christ thing rocked my world. And it was through me as adoption that the light bulb went on for me. I love it. So you have clearly your passion about fatherhood. Clearly this is a passion project, but you have some amazing voices speaking into this documentary. And I just want to know in the process of filming this and uh, the journey of putting it together, was there a moment that happened during filming or in an interview that just sticks out to you the most as maybe like a poignant moment that you can remember? Well, the Sherman Smith, Dylan McCullough connection is unbelievable that happens in there with the coaches and those relationships. Um, I remember when we heard that story about Sherman Smith, that coach who had been deeply impacted by his dad and was really being a surrogate father to all these players. When we heard his story and we found out that it was the number one most responded to story of ESPN's E60 whole series. Wow. The people, but they didn't talk about God. They just talk about how cool and coincidental this story is. So I, when I contacted some of the people that were connected to it, I said, does this guy know Jesus? And they said, oh man, Sherman Smith loves God. And I was like, are you serious? Because I was thinking God has entrusted this story to a godly man. So we contacted him and he walked through his testimony and it just kept getting better and better. When he, we found out that Tony Evans had been mentoring him when we found out that he'd spoken at a Billy Graham crusade years ago, when we found out that so many of the coaches that are now in the NFL had been impacted by Sherman Smith over the years. And uh, it just, it kept unfolding and getting better and better. And he told us this, he said, when the whole E60 thing happened with ESPN, 
he said, you know, I was, I was proud of it, excited about it. But he said, I kept thinking this is a story for God's glory. And then we call him and said, can we talk about the fatherhood of God? Because our hope through this documentary is that people that we're not beating up dads, you know, in this documentary, we are talking about how God is that perfect father that we all need and that we need to heal from those father wounds. Here's the biblical roles dads are supposed to play, but that you have a perfect heavenly father that through Jesus you can know, and he can fill in every gap that your earthly father has left. And we, our hope is that five, 10 years down the road, after people watch this, they can look back and say, God became my father after I watched that documentary. I feel like this is the perfect way to put a cap on it because I don't want to, I don't want to give all the goods away right now. I mean, the documentary is already out. And for those that are interested in watching it, I'm going to link in the show notes. There's also going to be a swipe up feature on Instagram so people can go check out where it's playing and where they can watch it. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you for redeeming this picture that that culture has played of this dopey, dorky, unrelatable dad sitting in their underwear on a lazy boy couch. (laughs) You really have brought in honor and you've esteemed father and you've made fathers a role that is desirable. Now, I know that this was not a, that you did this in and of yourself, but for everyone who worked on this documentary, I just want to say thank you. I can't wait to share this with Mm. the listeners. If there's any tidbit of information or parting words that you want to share in this moment, the mic is yours. I I mean, I just want to say you took me to church today, brother. You quoted more scripture than (laughs) I think so many churches in America. (laughs) You took me to church. Any parting words that you'd love to share with people listening. Sure. Well, uh, if you want to think about fatherhood and your own relationship with your dad, oftentimes there's some healing that needs to take place there. And dads are supposed to be representing, introducing God, the father to their kids, but oftentimes they don't. And so when they view God, there's some, uh, hurt there because they, they, we tend to project upon God, those earthly attributes and the brokenness of our own earthly fathers. But here's what I want you to think about. When you think about God, the father, I want you to remember the prodigal son coming home and he doesn't deserve it. And he's broken. And the father runs to him and says, take my best robe and put it on my son, take my ring and put it on his finger. My son has come home. That is the heart of our heavenly father. And that's the heart of God for you. Secondly, because Jesus is the perfect representation of the father. What if Jesus had been your dad? I want you to imagine if Jesus had been your earthly father, he would be teaching, loving, protecting, providing, guiding, shepherding you, because that's what God, your father is like. Jesus came to introduce us to what God the Father is like. So imagine Jesus when you're praying to God the Father. Read read the Gospels through the lens of, I want to learn what my Heavenly Father is like by looking at what Jesus did and where he went. He was strong. He wasn't weak. He was compassionate you know, to people that were in need. He was, he loved sinners and we're sinners in desperate need of that. So, uh, show me the father is out. I would recommend people, please use this in your ministries, use it in your churches. Uh, people that deal with people that are depressed or addicted, oftentimes they come back to identity and they come back to discovering that God is a loving father. And that's one of the things we hope will happen when people see this. I hope prisons will be showing this. 
I hope Addiction Ministries, I hope every dad will get to see this documentary and get a better picture of not only what God can be like for him, but also what he can be like for his own children. Both Courageous Legacy, we have the 10-year anniversary of Courageous that just came out, and Show Me the Father are hitting stores around the same time, uh, and we are, we're praying that the, that the Lord will mightily use it in people's hearts in a generation that has no idea what, what good, loving fatherhood looks like. I love it. I can't say thank you enough for your time. I'm so excited for people to check this out. For those wanting more information, the links will be in the show notes, but thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you for being on the show. Thank you, Bianca. God bless you. Friends, I know the topic of fatherhood might be hard for some of us to digest. So thank you for listening. My heart in doing this interview is that even if you don't have a father present in your life, you might come to know your heavenly father who loves you, fights for you, and adores you. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with your friends or leaving a positive review. This helps the podcast get into more ears and hearts around the world. Sending you so much love, friends. Can't wait to catch up on next week's episode. Side note, next week is Thanksgiving here in the good old US of A. And since most people will be with friends and family on Thanksgiving Thursday, we're doing a special Thanksgiving Tuesday episode. Can't wait to host you. Sending you so much love.